Hey everyone, welcome to Health Addicts. Before we get started though, remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I'm not your doctor. So if you have questions about the information and content on this show, ask your doctor, okay? Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wait, how many carbs am I really supposed to be eating? How much sleep do I actually need? Am I supposed to be even taking vitamins? Guess I better listen to The The Health Health Addict Addict Show. everybody welcome back to the health addict show 2020 oh it's gonna be a good year my name is tommy J. am your host as always i'm gonna try and keep it as simple as possible but today we are going to be talking about strokes and yes there is a lot to it and there is a lot of information because it's the fourth leading cause of death in america there's over 800,000 cases of stroke a year and over 130,000 deaths per year of stroke. It doesn't matter who you are or anything else. Stroke is an imminent threat to anyone. The biggest thing though is just understanding your risk factors and things that increases your chances of stroke. So let's just kind of break this down a little bit. What is a stroke exactly? It's a sudden impairment of brain function. And in our cases, it's due to a vascular disruption or hemorrhaging. Because you really have two types of strokes. One is an ischemic stroke and the other one is a hemorrhagic stroke. And the ischemic stroke is pretty basic to understand. It's an occlusion, and ischemia meaning lack of oxygen. So you either have a narrowing or an occlusion of an artery that's supplying blood flow to the brain, and this causes the impairment itself. The general reason, though, for an ischemic stroke, though, is having some kind of fatty deposit or a clot move into the smaller vasculature of the brain, whether you had a deep vein thrombosis that was sitting there and traveled, or you just have poor dietary choices and these fatty deposits build up. Pretty much, though, you're having an occlusion of that artery, and the normal oxygen and nutrients that are being supplied through that artery are now not. And because of this, now you have cellular death. And we're talking very quickly, too, because the brain is so sensitive. We kind of talked about this with our concussions episode. But you have millions of neurons dying every minute if you're not repairing that blood flow. The second type of stroke, though, is the hemorrhagic stroke. Now, this one's the kind of scarier one because this is actual open bleeding into the brain tissue that causes a motor loss and other functions that the brain contributes to. And this can include aneurysms that burst, you have vascular disease and the vessels give, a clot that builds too much pressure, you could have trauma, or if you have too much anticoagulation, this can also cause bleeding into the brain. But understand, you have a disruption of blood loss now. There's no more flow to that artery, and you also have blood flowing into the brain. And we kind of talked about this. The brain does not like blood on it. It has vasculature for a reason, and it actually inhibits your brain's normal function. The blood's going to start stealing the nutrients from the neuron cells that are in your brain. And there's also chemicals in your blood that are not supposed to be in your brain and released there. So the brain can have negative effects and start releasing its own chemicals that's not supposed to be releasing. Or in the cases with some strokes, you have loss of function and motor function to some of your body. So what are some signs of a stroke? And the first one is sudden numbness to the face, arms, or leg. And understand this, this is going to be unilateral. It usually is not bilateral, meaning affecting both sides. It's usually going to affect one side. 
because the right side of your brain controls the left part of your body and the left part of your brain controls the right side of your body. So if you're having a stroke on the left hemisphere of your brain, it should be affecting the right side of your body. The next thing you might notice is sudden confusion or trouble speaking and understanding when being spoken to. Because the optic nerves run to the brain, you might also be having trouble seeing either in one eye or both your eyes. Depending where the stroke is, you can have sudden trouble walking, moving, or even just balance and uncoordination because of it. But another likely one is a sudden headache. And meaning you just have some sudden headache that's unexplained due to other reasons. The main thing you should understand from all these symptoms that you've seen though, is it's all sudden. It's not something that progresses and gets worse and worse and worse. There is a sudden change. You will know someone being normal one way and then affected another way within seconds. This is a clear sign as something is going on. Now there's another type of substroke we call or a mini stroke and that is a transient ischemic attack or a TIA. TIAs are scary because they presume it's a stroke by the symptoms that they create but Usually they are non-permanent damaging and can last even just a few seconds or only a few hours. But the point is you're symptomatic, you have stroke-like symptoms, but then they go away within a certain time period. And yes, this is what we want. We want the stroke symptoms to go away. This is the perfect thing that we want, but you're not out of the woods yet. People that have a TIA will more likely have a stroke within three to five years, 35% of people actually. And overall, it increases your chance of stroke by 10 times the normal factor. So that's why it's important within this time limit of the stroke-like symptoms, it may pass with a TIA, but it's good to watch somebody for 48 hours because there's a chance that they're still gonna have whatever was causing the TIA to happen again. And it could be narrowing, it could be a clot, it could be a small bleed that no one sees, but it's very good to get understanding of what's going on because obviously something happened. But fortunately enough, no permanent damage actually happened because the permanent things aren't good. I mean, you can have paralysis, especially affecting one side or the other. You have difficulty swallowing and speaking. There's some memory loss depending on what areas of the brain that are affected. And definitely you can have troubles with emotional and pain because it can be very painful, especially if you're not moving well. And emotionally, you just get very depressed because people aren't going to understand you as well. You might look funny if you have some facial drooping. And overall, it's a debilitating problem if you have a stroke. So what are some things that you could be looking for? The first things you always should look for is make sure that someone's not having facial drooping, slurred speech and numbness, and uneven muscular strength in one side, like arm drooping or anything like that, because that's definitely possibility of someone having a stroke and you need to call 911 and get that person emergency help right away. So let's say you get that person to the hospital because in case if they're getting an ischemic stroke, there's a drug you can actually give for that, especially in the first one to four hours of the person being admitted. And this drug is called TPA or tissue plasminogen activator. And without getting too in depth into the clotting stuff, I'm just gonna call it the clot buster, okay? It breaks up clots, it's its main job. And when you give TPA, it goes through the blood system, hits that clot that's causing the ischemic stroke, breaks it up, and hopefully the person gets relief. This is why it's so important to get someone to the hospital. Cause like I said, you're losing a million neurons a minute with a pretty bad stroke. So if you give TPA right away, especially within the first hour, there's a more likely chance that they'll recover versus as time progresses. But you also want to make sure the person has a CT scan of their head or a CAT scan or a computer tomography because you want to make sure the person isn't bleeding into their brain. 
And if you give a clot buster for somebody that is bleeding into their brain, now we're not helping the situation. So let's say the TPA didn't work. So if it didn't dissolve the clot all the way, they might have to take you to neuro IR or interventional radiology and do an endovascular procedure. And all I'm saying here is they're going to use a line that go through your vasculature, mostly likely in your leg, go all the way up to your brain. They'll use a cerebral angiogram and actually look at the vessels through it and they can see the clotted arteries and they can either pull the clot out or they can stent it open, returning blood flow to the stroked area. And that's why ischemic strokes are great. But for hemorrhagic stroke, there definitely is more intervention needed. They are treatable. They definitely can be treated, but you're definitely going to need some surgical intervention. And that, whether it be it's actual surgery, you can have surgical clippings or coilings, especially if you have endovascular embolization. Um, if you're having it because of blood thinners, you need to have it probably reversed to make sure you're not continuously bleeding. But the overall scheme of things is you want to stop the bleeding that is happening and remove the blood that is inside the brain. Because like I said, it's supposed to stay in the vasculature. It's not supposed to be actually in the brain tissue. So what are some big causes of stroke? And the first one is high blood pressure. High blood pressure or hypertension is terrible for your vasculature. There's not supposed to be that much pressure on those vessels. They're not made to have so much pressure inside of them. They're only supposed to have 120 over 80 or even the new standards, 115 over 70. I'm telling you, if you have higher blood pressure in the 150s, 170s, 190s, especially at 200, you need to get some medical attention if it's over 200. This is ridiculous amount of pressure and can really increase your chance of a stroke. The next risk factor though is cardiovascular disease. If you're already having problems as far as how well your heart can pump out blood, especially if it's a bad ejection fraction as we call it, or the stroke volume it's able to give, or if you're in a regular rhythm that doesn't allow you to pump as well and maintain a good blood pressure, this can severely inhibit how well you can pump blood to your brain and essentially give a brain attack. And just so you know, there's a lot of high consistencies with people who have stroke have increased cardiovascular problems, including heart attack. So keep that in mind. Another big risk factor that we need to talk about is smoking. Okay, people, it is 2020. Why are we still cigarette smoking? We know it's bad for you. We know there's 7,000 chemicals that are created when you light one. Why are you still smoking? It is terrible for you, including the nicotine. It's bad for your vasculature. So smoking is a huge increased risk of stroke. Another big risk factor is diabetes because when your blood sugar is high, your blood is very thick and thicker blood makes it harder pump and so on and so forth. Age is another thing. If you're over 55, you have an increased chance. Men have a higher increased chance of stroke over women. But women, once you have a stroke, you're more likely to actually pass away from it. But you're at a higher age more likely when you do have the stroke than men. Also, African-American, Native American, and Alaskan-American are at higher risk of stroke just due to the comorbidities that they're increased risk of having blood pressure issues and diabetes. And finally, if you're on birth control, as much as it is it's helping you, you actually have an increased risk of stroke being on birth control just because of the way it affects your hormones and estrogen. So just keep that in mind, especially if you have a higher chance of stroke due to other reasons besides the birth control. But understand this, 
80% of strokes are preventable. There's other things that could increase it, but the hospitals just don't do it because it's not cost effective to them because a lot of people are unlikely to have it. But most of the testing that we do and other things that we have, 80% of strokes are preventable. So what are some things you can do to prevent a stroke? The first two things are right up top, real simple and easy, a healthy diet and regular physical activity will decrease your chance of a stroke tremendously. Second thing, and very important thing, get your blood pressure managed, especially if you have high blood pressure. You need to keep that regulated and under 150 because you're definitely increasing your chance of stroke. Blood pressure issues are the silent killer. You just don't recognize it because you're not really feeling it, if you're, especially if you're asymptomatic of it. The next thing, and it's kind of obvious, stop smoking, okay? I'm gonna say it one more time, stop smoking. Next thing is just drinking in moderation. Try not to binge drink. Binge drinking is definitely one of those increased things, especially if you have other issues with that come along with drinking, blood sugar issues, you could have fallen accidents. Just try to be mindful of your drinking. Another one that's just not as likely but still can affect you is your sleep, especially if you have OSA or obstructive sleep apnea. Make sure you're using those CPAP and BiPAP machines because you're putting so much added stress in your heart, especially if you're obstructing and not oxygenating and ventilating when you're sleeping. This can increase your chance of stroke. And also, if you have a partner and they notice that they're obstructing when they sleep, it might be time for a sleep study. So what's the takeaway from all this? Know the signs and symptoms. If you see someone with facial drooping, slurred speech, and muscular weakness, especially if they have arm drifting one side that's not as toned as the other, Definitely call 911. You need to get them emergency help right away. Even if the symptoms pass, still take them to the hospital. They need to be evaluated because something is obviously going on. Secondly, know the risk factors for stroke because it may not affect you now, but it can affect you down the road, especially when you get into higher ages. So know your risk factors and understand this, that a stroke can be very permanent as far as the damage it causes. You might be able to get some of it back with rehab and other physical therapy. You might get 90% or 80% of the movement that you had or the strength that you had, or you might even get 100% if you're lucky. But understand that stroke can have severe problems if it's not treated right away. But that's it. I'm done. I'm done talking about stroke. That's all I want to cover as far as a generalization. I don't want to get too far into it. But if you have questions, if you have concerns, or you just want to talk more about stroke, Hit me up on the social media platforms. I'd love to hear from you. I'm telling you, I love to talk health and I even like to learn about health. So if you have something that I didn't know, I'd love to hear it. But thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day. Share the information. Stay addicted to your health and I'll see you next time.